This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. So when I think of Sarah Mendelson, who's currently the social media manager at Maybelline New York, I think of two things. I think of somebody who's incredibly authentic and incredibly in the moment. From starting her blog, A Hit of Sarah, at age 16, to really learning about what she loved and didn't love about various industries within marketing, Sarah has built an incredible career for herself. You'll hear all about it and all about how social media has not only become so much of her career, but just a core part of who she is as a person. Take a listen. Welcome, Sarah, to the show. Thanks for having me. Sarah, I'm so excited to have you here. And I know in reading about you, uh, I've learned a lot about the kind of young start to your career. And I would love for you to share with some of our listeners how you got started on your career trajectory and where you ended up today. Well, I've been in social for a few years, but um, when I was younger, about 16 years old um, in 2007, I started a blog. And back then, blogging wasn't an industry. People didn't get paid to post or weren't even sent products by publicists yet then. So it really was um, about people who wanted to write about things they genuinely cared about and were interested in. And social media, like those were the MySpace days. So it wasn't yet used to push out content like it is now. And, you know, when I was younger, I really wanted to go into into media. I wanted to write for a magazine very badly. But as I went to college, I saw the industry change dramatically. And it was becoming more, I mean, magazines were becoming more of the outlets that weren't speaking on things as organically as they used to be. And when I was an intern back in the day, I worked at Harper's Bazaar and I saw how they were only allowed to really feature the designers who advertised in their magazine and a lot of their content was paid for, but it wasn't widely known back then. And that made me really sad. And um, it was no longer something that was of interest to me anymore. And I was doing a lot of PR then too, which was also an industry that was changing because people were becoming more and more influenced by things they saw online and less in a newspaper or a printed magazine. So then I graduated college and Um, I wasn't really positive what direction I wanted to go in because PR had changed and the magazine industry had changed. So I worked in marketing for The Gap and I was on the marketing team there and I was so young and low in the ranks there that they allowed me the opportunity to um, you know, be a marketing coordinator, but also if there was anything that I was interested in, they were very open to um, 
letting me support that specific team, which was really amazing because wow. it helped me get into social media. And and so how did you know? I, did you explore different teams before you got to social media or was social media like you knew you wanted to go in that direction? So even then, like social media was just starting to become a career path yep. to yep. take. And um, the Gap was really the first company I worked at that took social media seriously yep. and had a full team who created the content and were the community managers that engaged with um, fans very regularly. Um, And that was the first company I saw like have a social team and I saw what they did. And um, when I was introduced to that team and I learned more about what they did, I was like, this sounds so cool. (laughs) I really want to kind of shadow you guys and see what you do. And the two social leads there were, are like, really well known in the social media community. They're both like influencers themselves and the director of social media there. Rachel Tippograph is also really well known too. And she was hired to be like the social media director for Gap when she was only 24 years old. Wow. Which was like a global social media director. So it was like a huge deal. Um, And I was really grateful that I got to, um, I supported them part time and like they taught me how they created their content and curated the platform on Instagram and about how important community management is because every time there's a huge crisis, people go immediately to Twitter to see what the brand is going to respond. So I got to help that team and that's when I realized that I really wanted to be in social media because I loved what they did and I really wanted to be a part of it. It sounds like part of what, what appealed to you, what I heard in that part of the story um, was the difference between at that time how print was changing and magazine publishing was changing to be rather inauthentic and then there's like this huge kind of authentic in the moment media that you were a part of when it was kind of burgeoning. It's really exciting. Yeah. And, you know, social media was a job that kind of I saw um, had everything that I wanted to do in one role. It was creative. I went to school for communications and it was everything I learned in school was you know, applied here. And so it was visual and it's verbal and it's like, it's really such an important role now because um, you're the voice of the brand. So I really loved that. And it just, it seemed so perfect then. And so where did you go from there? So you realized that that was where you wanted to be? Yes. So I left Gap to work for a very small social media agency um, called Cake Group, which is owned by a larger media agency called Tadoff Media. Yep. And my role was normally in agencies, you have a very specific role. But um, when I was hired, 50% of my role was community management and the other 50% was um, creative, which was cool. That's awesome. <laughs> How, yeah. However, um, you know, something I learned from working in social media is that like agencies are not really for everyone. Yeah. Um, so I was working on six brands and though it was, it was cool to not be on one brand the whole day and get to be a different voice and talk to so many different people. It just, you know, it's a lot of work. I was working like 12 hour days and wow, it just wasn't, wasn't my jam. <laughs> <laughs> so you realized, did you realize pretty quickly that agency life wasn't for you? Yeah, I mean, I learned, you learn so much from working at an agency, and I learned so, 
so much, but um, I I also like I'm kind of a side hustler. I have a blog still to this day, and I it, it's hard for me to devote that much time to so many different brands. Yeah, and yeah. also at an agency, like I wasn't really passionate about any really any of the brands that I was on and they didn't stay for a long time. So it was hard to kind of, you know, really fall in love with a brand too when they're not permanent. So then I eventually left that agency and I have kind of like my dream job now. And I'm the social media manager for Maybelline New York. Wow. And so tell me how you found that. Did you, when you knew that like the agency life wasn't for you and you were out searching, did you see the opening and go for it? Did you knock on the door of one of your favorite brands? What did you do to get in? Actually, when I was, when I decided I wanted to leave the agency and I was looking for new jobs, um, I was, this, this role was really, it was a temporary job because the girl who had it before me was going on maternity leave and I was working with a recruiter and she mentioned it to me and I was applying for all of these, you know, amazing full-time jobs, but working at Maybelline, um, I'm a beauty junkie. So <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> so it really like, is perfect for you. <laughs> and they're so involved in fashion week too. And fashion is something that I'm really interested in also. So it had beauty and fashion. And even though it was a temporary job, when I came in for the interview to hear more about it, I was like, this sounds so cool. And L'Oreal, which owns Maybelline, is such a massive company that, you know, if I do a good job in the four months, maybe there'll be another role here that I can move into. And L'Oreal is really good about um, if they really like a consultant, they'll, they will do that for them. That's exciting. Yeah. So I took, I got offered the job, I took it. And then I mean, I got lucky that the girl who had the role decided she didn't want to come back after maternity leave and I proved myself to be very good at the job. So they hired me full time. Wow. And so tell me a little bit about what you do there, what properties you manage and what the approach to social is at Maybelline. My role has changed so dramatically in the, I've been here for a little over a year and it's changed um, so much in that year. I used to be the only person internally working on social Wow. With, yeah, which for such a big brand is is kind of crazy that there was only one person. And I was working very close with an agency and they worked with me to they split community management with me. So at that time I was only doing Twitter and Instagram and they were managing the other platforms that were on. And then at the end of the year, L'Oreal as a whole decided that it's it's really important that the brand voice come from within the brand. So they moved all community management internally. And so I was managing, yeah, I was managing for a bit of time, seven social platforms, which is a lot for one person. Um, But they hired, uh, you know, second person to support. So that was really helpful. And um, recently we now have three people and we have split the platforms because seven was too much for one person. <laughs> so are you able then when you get home at the end of the day to turn it off or do you feel like you're always on and you always want to check? And I don't mean, uh, you know, you're always on because you're required to be. I mean more like because you're passionate about the brand, is it hard to not obsessively check? Currently, I only manage Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat. 
and I check all day long, (laughs) even on the weekend. Um, and I post on the weekend too. And I don't, it doesn't, it's not something that bothers me because I really do love the brand. And over time I I do feel like it's part of who I am because when you spend so much time talking to the consumers and talking about certain products and creating content for them, it just, and if you really love the brand, like I do, it, it just becomes, you know, part like every day. And, and I really, you, it's really important that you do, if you want to be a community manager or work in social, I do think it's really important that you like the brand you're working on, especially if you're the voice of that brand. Otherwise like you're, it is a 24 hour job. So you, you really do have to like it. You bet. Um, you bet. And I'm lucky because I really, I really do. So no, I don't really turn it off. And I, before I go to bed, I respond to people on Twitter every night. Wow. (laughs) So you have managed a lot of communities now over time for uh, Maybelline. And have you seen a shift in the past year in terms of where activity is happening? I know you mentioned you managed uh, Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram. Was it heavier in one area on the year prior? And has it shifted in terms of where conversation is going? Where is the bulk of conversation taking place? So when I started, Instagram was the biggest platform. It still, it still technically is the biggest platform for us, but over the past few months, we've seen a lot more happening on Snapchat, and that's becoming more of a priority. Snapchat is, is just like people are spending more, more and more time there. And I've seen even just with working with Facebook and Instagram that they're very clearly threatened by that platform too. It's the realist platform. You don't yeah. have to, unlike, you know, unlike Instagram and Facebook, you don't really need a beautiful image and it's the storytelling platform because Absolutely. you can tell a full story um, where you can't really do that through images on any other platform in the same way. And so when a platform like Snapchat comes along and totally kind of changes the game in terms of the type of content you create and how, right? The content you create for Instagram is not the same content that you would show on Snapchat. How does a mm-hmm. huge brand adjust in terms of the, the way that they have those conversations and the, the types of stories that they tell? Um, is it a huge concerted effort before they go into something like a Snapchat or is it like you just try it and see how it goes? So we launched it over a year ago, but we didn't really start using it until like in a way that we do now over the past few months. And it is a lot of trial and error. And we've seen like certain stories do really well. And so we've made series out of them. So we have this series now called Tip Tuesday, where every Tuesday, it used to be something I did on my own face, where I would just give a amazing using our products. Amazing. But it, it did so well that we now we have like influencers seeing over on Tuesday, sharing their tips or makeup artists, or um, hopefully we'll have like our spokesmodels do it eventually. So um, that has become so popular and people look forward to it now. So it's things like that. We see like something works and then we just, we can see if it's something that we can do again. So we have like a few content series like that. Um, And we've noticed some things don't work and we've had to shift them. Like we are a huge sponsor of New York Fashion Week, but our fans really aren't interested in, in fashion (laughs) in in the same way that someone who attends fashion week for, for a fashion brand is. So we've found different ways of showing that on Snapchat and really all our platforms, but 
Um, Snapchat has really been one where it's like we try something, we see how our fans engage, and then if it does well, we do it again. And if, if they don't like it, we don't do it again. So, Sarah, how much of the efforts that you put forth in social are organic in terms of content creation and storytelling versus paid, as paid has become a much more uh, necessary thing on things like Facebook? When you're trying something new like Snapchat, are you advertising or is it something that you test organically first? So for Snapchat, paid Snapchat is um, something we work very closely with the Snapchat team. So they help guide us in, in what works well for their platforms. They also have really strict rules um, yes. for, you know, how long something can be and what it looks like. Um, so our, our content there is is really, you know, we created it in partnership with Snapchat. We do promote our Snapchat off of the platform um, on Twitter. Last New York Fashion Week, we tested paid Twitter with a link to our Snapchat, um, the Add Me link, and we teased like certain stories, like do we like shared a Snapchat video or a still from Snapchat, um, and then a link to to add the to add us, and we posted. I mean, we posted it, and then we put paid behind it so more people would see it, and. Um, we saw that was really successful for us and we doubled our following in that one week of paid Twitter for Snapchat. Oh, so it's really about integrating the networks in in terms of how you're using the advertising. I love that. And okay, tell me, I know about what's working uh, for Maybelline. Tell me what your favorite network is to be on personally. Um, I think Snapchat has become my, my personal (laughs) favorite too. It's, it's so fun and it's, really like like it is for Maybelline it's a really great platform to share what you're doing in the moment and not having to edit it I do also still really love Instagram because I I do have a photography background as well and it's such a great platform to share those images with and and find like other people on and I love Twitter too but I use it in a very different way than, than Maybelline does I kind of like that you're managing the three properties that are your favorites. That kind of, was that intentional yeah. or did it just work out that way? Um, well, they're the, the three live platforms. Yeah. Um, and I guess I like, I like that aspect of those platforms. Like we we're also on Pinterest and Tumblr and we hard at the really aren't, be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Those aren't, those aren't moment. really live. They're, they're really just sharing beautiful content. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Sarah, thank you for being on the show today. And where should people follow you if they want to get in touch with you? Thank you. Um, I am a hit of Sarah on all of my social platforms, so I'm really easy to find. (laughs) And that's your blog, too, a hit of Sarah. You still keep it up? Yes. Yeah, I still keep it up to this day. Almost 10 years now. (laughs) Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're one fabulous social lady. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.